You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Man, I, I love motivational movies. I, you know, we all love motivational movies. These movies, uh, they, they change us. They get us excited. They make us feel inspired, right? Especially the true story. Uh, the true stories. You know, like the, the Independence Day clip? That's a true story. That, no, I'm just I don't know if you guys know what that movie's about. It's about aliens attacking the earth. It's... That one's not a true story. But the ones that are true stories, man, they are the most meaningful. I love a good, inspiring, true story movie. I mean, uh, most of these uh, inspiring true story movies are people of faith who have been motivated and moved by a God who says, yes, you can. And uh, what we're going to do over the next month is we're going we're gonna to take a look at some of the most inspiring events in the Bible, a handful of them, because there's a lot of them. We're going to look at a handful of those inspiring true story events from the Bible and how they can inspire us to say, yes, we can do this. Yes, we can. We are going to, over the next month, unwrap the future of Living Way Church. And if there is a, a month when I would inspire you or challenge you or ask you to not miss a single week, this would be the month to not miss a single week of this series. Um, now, some are out today because of a wedding and stuff, so today we're going to kick off with, a, with an introduction to the series, and I'm asking if you miss one or if you know somebody that's not here today, make sure that they listen online because they're all going to go together because not only are we going to be uh, talking about some inspiring stories in the Bible, but we're also going to be sharing with you some very important details about our church. In the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna, we're going to unpack uh, uh, our, our, the health of our church. We're going to take a look at our finances. We're going to take a look at our mission. We're going to take a look at our vision. We're going to take a look at what we feel as, uh, as leadership, what we feel God's called us to do this year and over the next couple of years. So uh, don't miss it. Now, I want you to have two tracks in mind today and in every week. I want you to look at the track of your life. The vision that God wants to give or has given you. And then I want you to look at it also through the track of our church's life, all right? So there are some of you that, that God has put something and moved in your life and, and you're kind of in a rut and God is challenging you to step out. And I want you to be thinking about that. But also, we're going to be talking about our church and how it relates to our church together. So we've got our individual vision that God puts on our lives as individuals and our vision as a church family together. So don't miss a single week. Um, it's vital. This, was, this series is vital for the future of Living Way. I want to jump off with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's a verse that maybe some of you guys have heard. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not See, I love this word faith. The word faith is the Greek word pistos, which means to trust. It means to believe and to trust. Now, when it says that this kind of faith is the kind of faith that is, is being sure of what we hope for, it's not, this faith isn't, I hope we can do this. I hope it works out that way. Faith is, listen to this, is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. See, that is faith. It's being able to see something that is not and believe that it is. All right, that's faith. Now, when it's God faith, that faith is trust in the one who gives you that vision of what you cannot see or what is not here yet. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, faith is being able to trust in what God has said, even though things in the current don't look like it's possible. It says, verse 2, this is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Man, I love this whole concept because he says, now there's faith. He goes, but let's go all the way back to the very beginning. Faith is not a force. Faith is not meditation. Faith is not positive thinking. Faith 
is not even an absence of fear or an absence of doubt. He says, man, you want to go, you want to know where faith comes from? It goes all the way back to God. Faith is this. Faith is trusting God enough to do what he says despite our current reality. That's how we're defining faith. That's how the Bible defines faith. Faith is living in light of God's word despite our current reality. So I want to ask you something. What does your current reality look like? What does your marriage look like today? Uh, what does the situation with your kids look like today? What is what is your uh, the state of your finances look like? I mean, some of them may be uh, in in complete collapse or chaos or confusion or struggle. God is saying, if you will step out in faith and trust me despite your current reality, you'll see things that you never imagined could happen if you trust me. Now, the important thing is that we trust and move into the movement of God's plan, not our plan, okay? Now, our current reality, because we're talking about our church as well as your current reality, our church's current reality is this. We are on a tight budget as a church. Our church has been uh, by the way, we started our church in 2003. We're going to talk a little bit more about the story of our church over the next few weeks. We started in 2003 in a house. We met in a house, and uh, we did. it was just a group of us. We prayed, and we believed, and we stepped out, and we uh, began to lease a, a retail center, a small space, and we outgrew that. And there was a movie theater across the street. We moved into that movie theater. And then from that movie theater, we moved into this movie theater. We moved in this movie theater in 2006. And in 2006, we restructured our church and rebooted our church, restarted our church with a new leadership team and a new sense of direction because we had a really tough first three years. A lot of great, glorious things happened, but also some tragedies happened in our life with uh, people that we loved. And, and uh, it was just a very difficult three years, but God has a mission and a vision for us. We started meeting here in the movie theater in 2006. We've been in this theater that would make it in February 10 years that we've been in this movie theater at the AMC at Firewall Mall. Now, when we moved into this theater, we believed and still believe it was a just a blessing, a God's. In fact, there are churches in line waiting, and they have been for 10 years waiting to move into this movie theater. God has given us favor here, and he's given us a tremendous amount of blessing here, uh, and we have a vision that we believe is beyond this sphere of influence of this place, um, but uh, we feel like it's in God's timing, and we feel like the time is now, but the current reality is we're on a very tight budget. That means each month we make budget, and that's it. So looking at this verse, it's trusting God in light or despite our current reality. We believe that our season as a leadership team, those that are with us and our staff and our elders currently, we feel that our season at the AMC is coming to an end. Um, and so we shared last year, and we're, gonna, we're really going to pray through, and we're going to unfold a plan this month of what we feel like is God's plan for us to transition from the AMC to wherever God has for us. And there's a lot that we're going to be talking about over the next month. I'm extremely excited. Our staff team and leaders team is excited. You're going to be hearing from some of them, many of them. Uh, but our current reality is, is uh, we are on a tight church budget, okay? So again, we're talking two tracks, your personal life and our church's track, okay? Uh, Hebrews 6 says this, the same writer, just a few verses later, he says, without faith, without godly risk, without trusting in God's plan, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He starts off by saying, you want to know what real faith and trust is? Trusting in God. That's the first step. He says from there it's a life of faith. So I'm going to challenge us today. We cannot please God by being managers of a mission. All right? We cannot please God by managing our life. In a moment here, I'm going to give you three levels of faith. All right, and we cannot achieve the mission of our lives, of our lives or the life of our church without stage three trust, without stage three faith. 
And, and it takes time to get there. We're going to take a look at a guy today who's the father of our faith. His name is Abraham, and we're going to take a look at him in a minute. But I want you to realize this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If we're going to see God work in our lives and in our church, we must have God-sized faith. We cannot manage a mission. We must, in faith, step out in it, okay? Now, today, uh, each week, we're going to talk about we are inspired to Something, all right. I'm gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna find out what they are as we get there today. We're gonna talk about inspired to trust, inspired to believe, inspired to follow, inspired today. We begin with the man who started all, Abraham. Romans 4, uh, Paul calls Abraham the father of all who believe. And in Galatians 3, he says this, 6 and 7, he says, Consider Abraham, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then, those who believe are children of Abraham. Abraham is the father of all who are followers of Christ. We wouldn't be here today if Abraham hadn't first stepped out in faith. We are here to, we are all as followers of Christ known as descendants or children of Abraham through Christ. Now, so when we talk about Abraham, this is going all the way back to the guy who's considered the first, the founding father of our faith, all right? So uh, when Hebrews was written, we're going to talk, look at some verses about Abraham out of Hebrews. Hebrews was written during a time of severe persecution, and there were believers who were thinking of quitting. There were believers who were thinking of giving up and walking out on the mission and on God. Hebrews 11 was written to inspire believers to not give up, not give in, not give away. Those who uh, stepped out and who did not give up, but those who continued in mission. So in Hebrews 11, the writer begins to unfold a pack of people who were just amazing uh, people of faith. And he starts it off by talking about Abraham, that's the only one we're going to talk about today. Hebrews 11, 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went. By faith, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Guys, we're going to be talking about Abraham's faith in relation to our faith. And I want you to realize this, that Abraham was given a vision, God appointed uh, and then pointed, and then Abraham moved. By faith, he obeyed and went, okay? Goes on, verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Isaac and Jacob are his future kids and grandkids, all right? His son and grandson. He said, by faith. Abraham lived like a stranger in a foreign land and in tents. Guys, listen, faith, he was given not only a vision, God pointed, he moved, but he realized that if he was to step out in faith, that his life and lifestyle were to change. See, this is, this is key in stepping out in faith. You can't step out in faith and not expect things to change, all right? As we talk about our future as a church, we're going to talk about change because that's what faith is. Faith is about, like Abraham, realizing that his environment is going to be strange and he is going to feel somewhat strange at times because it's new to him. It's different. His lifestyle and his life had to change. He understood that faith means necessary change. He goes on, verse 10, for he was looking for, Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And I love this, is because Abraham knew that faith meant he was able to see beyond his current reality, okay? He saw a future with I mean, he moved into this land. We'll talk about that in a minute. He moved into this land, and there was nothing there. But you know what he saw? He saw a city. He saw foundations. He saw structures. He saw buildings. He says, you know what? I see the future. Despite the current reality, 
I see a foundation. And guess who the architect was? It was God himself. Verse 11, he says, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. God was faithful, so Abraham trusted in the faithfulness of God, and God showed him. I wanted to realize this, and I love this about Abraham. Abraham was motivated by the next generation. When he moved into the promised land, when he went, when God pointed, when God appointed Abraham and then pointed Abraham, and Abraham moved, he moved to a place where there was a desert, where there was nothing, but he by faith saw things, but he saw them, listen to this, for the next generation. He wasn't looking for his life to be immediately changed. You know, his environment, his experience, his life was changing. But as far as to see the fruit of that move, he knew that it was going to be something that his kids would know. That he would see a little bit, but his kids would know and live it. Guys, listen. Vision is not about your life. It's about the generations that follow. So as a church, when we talk about what we feel like God is calling us to do, it's not about our life. It's about our kids' life. It's about your sons and daughters. It's about those who have yet to even show up at Living Way. There are people that don't even know we exist. You realize that, right? We've been in this movie theater for 10 years. And I talk to pastors, I talk to people, and I tell them where we are, and they go, there's a church there? I'm like, for 10 years? I was talking to a pastor this week, and he's been living in Wiley for the last 15 years. And we were talking, and I told him about our church. He goes, are you guys a startup? I said, no, we've been there for 10 years. He goes, oh. There's people that don't even know we exist. We have strict limitations here. Our signs can only be up before service. They must be down after we start. We can't put signs on the curbs. We can't put signs in the mall anymore. That stopped. That, was, that right was taken away from us about... Uh, seven years ago from the mall management. So we are basically purely a word of mouth. There's no drive-bys here, all right? Unless they go to the movies and they see us, and they're probably at church, I mean at the movies because they don't like church, which is okay with me because, hey, look, you're exactly who we want you to, you're the person we want to invite you to, you know? But uh, few people have come because they've seen the signs going to a movie. But here's the reality. There are people that have yet to come to Living Way Church. And our, a move, we feel, is part of God expanding our vision and seeing the next generation come in. And this is what Abraham saw, and that was his motivation. The vision was for those who have yet to come. Here's verse 12. He says, and so from this one man, and I like this, and he was as good as dead. <laughs> It was like, could you imagine somebody writing about you and saying, and this guy, Ted, and he was as good as dead. Uh, that You know what that means? That's code for he was really, really old. I don't think there's anybody here as good as dead, by the way. You all are young and young at heart. So he says, but Abraham over, he was as good as dead. However, in spite of that, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. We if you're a believer, you are his descendant. The millions and millions and millions of followers of Jesus Christ that are all over the world and have ever existed in the last two million years are descendants. They're as numerous as the stars in the sky. Guys, listen, even though he was old and frail, he saw beyond his current situation. He didn't look at his age and go, I'm too old. He didn't look at his ability and go, I can't do this. I'm not able. His circumstances did not stop him because he knew God was with him. And then Abraham's journey really is a journey to let go and to move forward. Guys, listen to this. Genesis 12:1. The Lord had said to Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, he says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Later, he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. He was born a refugee in Ur, which is now, which is currently in Iraq. Uh, he moved with his family and settled in Haran, which is where modern-day Turkey is. And in Turkey, God said, get up, I have a place 
for you. You don't have to be a wanderer anymore. You don't have to be a refugee anymore. I have a place for you, a promised place for you, a land that's promised just for you in a place only known at that time as Canaan, which today is Israel. He says he didn't know where he was going. He'd never seen it before. He couldn't get on. He says, hold on a second, God. Let me Google Earth that. It's Canaan, right? Is that two A's or two N's? So he's put, he couldn't Google Earth Canaan. He couldn't grab an encyclopedia. Uh, he didn't, you know, th- thumb through some pictures. He just knew God said, it's that direction, Go. All right, and he stepped out in faith. And in order for him to step out in faith, he had to let go of some things. All right, because this all goes back to without faith, it is impossible to please God. Unless we are willing to experience the kind of life that Abraham experienced, then we will just be life managers and we'll never truly live and experience the exciting, inspired life that God has created us to be. Let me tell you something. Living with Jesus is the most exciting adventure you'll ever have in your life if you live it by faith. If you hold on to it and, and, and never take the risk that God has called us wise, godly, but still faith-oriented, godly risk, We'll never experience the fullness that God has for us. Some people can't move beyond the risk factor. Some people can't move beyond the faith factor. If Abraham had never said, God, I will go, that's the place, lead me, we wouldn't be here today. Or God might have picked somebody else, and it maybe wouldn't have even been the Israel. It could have been some other nation at the time. But that's the nation, that's the people that God shows. That's why they're called the chosen people, because that's the people, that's the family, that's Abraham who he chose to bring us the Messiah. Now, if he had never said, if he, if he had never went and said, God, I'm not going, things would be different. I was looking through some of my sermons this past week as I was doing some research for today, and I came across this illustration of, um, from Summer when she was eight years old. And uh, here's the illustration. I thought, man, you know, this is a good thing about being a pastor who's, who's not, my kids are teenagers now. So I look through my old sermons and I find all these like really cool illustrations for when they're kids. Because when you're a dad of younger kids, man, you got illustrations coming out of your ears. I mean, every day is an illustration of stuff, right? It's pretty amazing. So now that they're older and teenagers and they don't hang around uh, uh, me as much. They still love me, I know it, but they're, they're growing in their independence, you know, but I, I have these stories, and I'm like, that's a good story. So I came across this, and I thought, this is beautiful. Uh, I, I remember there was a time when Summer and I, we were taking a walk, we have this trail at our, uh, in our neighborhood, and, and it goes through like these woods and stuff, and Summer was about eight years old, and we were taking this walk, and Summer's always been very touchy, so we always held hands, and so she was small, seven, eight. And uh, we were walking, and we started walking, and she said, she turned to me and says, Dad, where are we going? And I stopped, and I looked at her. I looked her in the eyes, and I said, wherever our feet take us. And her eyes got big, and she smiled back to me and just squeezed my hand, and we just kept walking. And I loved that because she knew that wherever Daddy was going, it was going to be fun, and she trusted Daddy. Guys, listen, some of you, Moving from this theater or moving out of your current circumstance in your life is scary. And God, you might be saying, where are we going? And God says, wherever I lead you, wherever your feet go, just know that I've got your hand. You know what? When we walk and we have that kind of faith with God, there's joy because we know God is for us. He's a good God. He's not against us. And he inspires us to step out in faith and to trust him. And we can just squeeze his hand and know that it's going to be fun because he's good and he's trusting. And, you know, this is exactly the circumstance that we are in today and that Abraham was in then. Abraham trusted God to leave his old pattern life and his financial security for an I'll show you something later. And he told him that he was going to have a baby even though he was impotent and his wife was barren and postmenopausal. So you've got, you're thinking, man, this God has got to be a miracle working God. And guess what? He is. 
He's a miracle-working God. So we're going to take a look at Abraham's three stages of faith real quick. And then we're going to pray. And I don't want you to miss a single Sunday this series. I don't want you to miss any Sunday anytime. But this series in particular, because each week we're going to unfold facets of our church's current situation and our future, what we feel like God is calling us to do. And it's going to take faith, all right? So we're going to unfold that. Let's talk about this faith exercise or this faith that, that Abraham has. At the bottom of your worship guide, you have a space that says things that, are, that you cherish the most. I want you to take a moment. I want you to take a mental inventory or write on your phone or write on the bottom of your worship guide where that space is. Write down the things you cherish most. Now, some of you, it's going to be your, your family, your wife or your kids, or it might be a job that you really enjoy enjoy or your friendships or it might even be things that you cherish could also be your home it could be you know your your lifestyle or whatever this there's nothing wrong about cherishing things and and people and that. but i want you to write down the things that you cherish the most all right cuz we're going to be referring to them throughout the three stages of Abraham's trust in ours. All right, so here's stage one. What happens when God says, let go and trust me, Abraham's journey to let go? Here was stage one. Stage one is, I can trust what I can control. That's where most people are. God, you've called me to do this. I think I can do this. And so you, you try it. Because you're in control, right? This is where most of us live. We, very few of us in this room understand the level of faith. When it says it's impossible to please God without faith, and then they list some people that stepped out in faith. It's not that faith that is, that's impossible to please God. It's not just a believing faith, but this is a, a step out and trust God faith. Some of you have never stepped out and trusted God on hardly anything. Because you, you park right here. I trust what I can control. Knowing what God has told him, Abraham went through this stage. This is what happened in Genesis 16, 1 and 2. He says, now Sarai, who's, uh, whose name was later changed to Sarah, that's his wife, uh, Abram's, who's Abraham, Abram's wife, uh, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Not Sammy Hagar, just Hagar. Van Halen, or solo artist in here, whose maidservant was named Hagar. So he said, uh, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, which is not true. Uh, God, uh, she said, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham said, honey, I would never do that. Honey, I only have eyes for you. I would, oh, that, no, God, no, he's, he would not. You know what Abraham did? He said, heck yeah. He was, a, he was an idiot. He was, he was a dummy. He had step one level faith. That trust is, I trust what I can control. They saw a situation that seemed impossible, and they didn't see that maybe God could do it, so they took it under control and did it on their own. Sage one says, I want it now. I want what I want now. I can trust what God says, but I want it now. And I will do it my way, taking matters into my own hands, thinking we often think that we know better. A lot of us live here thinking that we know better than God. Can you trust God enough to just wait on him? Can you trust God enough to give up control and trust him? Can you trust God enough to give up control of what you cherish the most? I want you to look at, glance at that list and think of that list of the things you cherish. Can you trust God enough to give up control of your money, of your marriage, to give up control of your kids even, to give up control to God, not like to anybody or anyone or some teacher or counselor, but give up control to the Lord, to release control of the situation. 
okay? Some of you park right there. I trust what I can control. Abe learned his lesson. He steps forward. He steps out. Then he reaches stage two, level two faith. And this is, I trust only what I can see. This is where a lot of people are as well. Many spend their whole life right here. I see it and I want it, but... It's different. It's scary. It's uncomfortable to try. I don't have the money. It takes too much time. It seems unrealistic. But what if it doesn't work? I, I, I can only trust what I can see, and I, and I just can't see that happening with my current situation. So, so what happens is this stage says, I want what God wants, but dot, dot, dot. I just can't let go. Many never see God's vision unfold because they can't see past what their current eyes are telling them or what their current circumstance is or what their current uh, way of life is or that it, or maybe it just looks too hard. It looks too, it takes way too much commitment. Guys, listen, we're going to be talking about our church's future and I'm going to tell you something. It takes commitment. It's going to take commitment. But we can see, we're going to see amazing things in the church, in our life, and in this church's life. I have no doubt about it. But it is going to take commitment. And we have to be able to see beyond what we see. Okay? We can't live at stage two. I trust only what I can see. If it seems like it's possible, yes. That's not the kind of faith that Abraham had, and it's not the level of faith that really causes things to, to happen. So Abraham did this a few times, by the way. he Twice he lied about his wife. He gave her over to the favor of Egypt, uh, who God and then gave him a disease and said, uh, don't have relations with her or you're going to die. And then he gave her to another king, King Gerar. And God showed up to that king and said, um, if you have any relations with her, I will kill you. So this is Abraham moving from country to country. And he was, uh, his wife apparently at this stage was quite beautiful. This is when they were younger. And uh, they would move to certain areas and they would be, you know, taken into custody or whatever. They'd be taken a before the authorities, and, and they wanted to take his wife, and he's like, no, this is not my wife, it's my sister. Here, have her. I mean, what Abraham was a crazy person, all right? That is not a person of faith. Guys, by the time he stepped out, it took a season of trust. It took a season of level one, level two, for him to get to level three. God protected him and made sure that he didn't make some real stupid mistakes that were going to affect the promise that God had for him. But guys, listen, like Abraham, we take matters into our own hands. We have to let go, trust God. This year is going to be a year of trust for us, okay? So I want you to ask yourself, can you trust God enough to leave something behind for what you can't see? Okay? Now, we've been here for, for 10 years. We've got a system here. Some of you guys, you have no idea that in the freezing weather this morning, we had a pit crew in the band that unloaded Kid Venture and this auditorium and set up in like 29, 27, 29 degree temperature. Some of you guys came in in coats and you're just freezing, your fingertips are cold, but you didn't have to unload a trailer at the crack of dawn, right? These men and women that put that time and energy into it to be a blessing to you, is a sacrifice that they've been doing for 10 years, many of them. Some of them been there, been doing it the whole time. And you know what? It's been a blessing. It's amazing. We've got a system down. They, they're loaded up in 30, and they're, they can be out of this room in as fast as 15 minutes out of this room. It may be sitting outside, but it's out of this room. And, you know, we have limitations. Sometimes we have a theater, a movie. Like we have a kid venture movie today at 12 o'clock. All right? That means they have to be out you know, probably a good 20 minutes before us, all right? And some days, you know, Star Wars this past week, and they had a couple of 12 o'clock movies. That means, like, we're like, bing, bing, bing. We're, like, out of here. You know what? That takes a lot of faith to do that each week. But, you know, as hard as it is, it gets comfortable. It gets, it, because we get a system down. Moving from this environment, we're going to look at the pros and cons in the next couple of weeks. Moving from this environment is going to be not only a change, but it's also going to be a moving away from a system and a way of doing things that we've been doing for 10 years, okay? 
So we're going to unfold that in the next few weeks. We're going to talk more about it. We're going to have an open discussion on some of these weeks, so I want you to be ready to have your questions, and uh, we're going to talk about them during the services. But I want you to know this, stage two is I trust only what I can see, but God wants us to get to stage three. A major turning point happened, Genesis 17, verse 1. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Now, I want you to think about this. God had promised this to Abraham years earlier. And finally, at, at this age, finally, at 99 years old, God shows up and says, get your act together. All right? You've been kind of prostituting your wife. You've been lying to people. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you've been sleeping with your wife's maids. I mean, Adam, uh, Abraham, get your life together. He says, man, I have called you. I have appointed you. He says, listen, he says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me blameless. Enough messing around. Sometimes I think that maybe Abraham didn't have to be so old to have kids. Maybe if when he received that promise, he began to live a life of trust and faith, a level three trust, then maybe he wouldn't have had to be so old when this promise began to come true. He says, I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down. God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you, Abraham. You'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, which means the father of many. He says, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful and I will make uh, nations of you and kings will come from you and I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. He also changed the name of Sarai to Sarah, which means mother of nations. Now, the big difference between Abram and Sarai is that he added his name to their name. The, God, uh, the name of God is Yahweh, which is we now transliterate it as the word Yahweh, but it was an unpronounceable breath of Yahweh. And he added the sound to both their names, Abraham and Sarah. So he is now the father and the mother of nations called with God's name. I love that. Abraham got rid of his excuses. He got rid of the big butts. He left his home and his habits behind, and he started living like he believed it. Then it started. It happened 25 years later, God did what he said. Abraham had a son from Sarah, and his name was Isaac. What follows is one of the most bizarre and inspiring stories in the Bible, a strange but true event. This is where Abraham's level one and level two went to level three. And I want you to follow this story. Some of you guys know a little bit of the story, but let's take a look at it. Genesis 22, verse 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, everybody say tested. Guys, listen, testing is a certainty. Every one of you in this room who is called of God, who is a child of God, who is a Christian, every one of you will be tested. Testing is about trusting. And while it's no fun, it's nothing to fear. Okay? It's about trust. So God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, I am here, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, this son of promise that I promised you. Take this son who you love and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. He says, go in that direction, and then I'll tell you which mountain to climb up and to sacrifice. Here's two big problems with this story. Number one, how could God ask for such a thing? Number two, how could Abraham do such a thing? It goes on. In verse 6, he says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. I need a, I need a young person I'm going to walk with. 
Right here, you're not so young, but I'm going to use you, Daniel, because you're down here. You're, you're, I'm looking for a teenager. That's why, you, but you're you're older than a teenager. I appreciate it. Thank you. I love this guy right here. All right, imagine. I guess you're your age, and I'm an old man. How about that? Okay. He's a he's a young adult. Okay. So, here's what happened. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son. <laughs> here you go. Why don't you carry this on your back? Try to try to see if you can carry that on your back. Okay. He, make sure I don't sip on my glasses. He's, uh, he carried it. The two of them went on together. Now, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, that's, that would be you. Father. There you go. I'm not going to make you do the rest. Uh, he said, Father, and, and Abraham said, yes, my son. The wood, uh, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So let's take a walk, all right? Here's what happened. Abraham told Sarah that he and Isaac, their son, were going to go make a sacrifice to God on the holy mountains in Moriah. So he gave his son some wood to carry. And by the way, we don't know how old Isaac was. The videos and the pictures, they all make you know, Isaac to be some little kid. But Abraham's now in his hundreds, and Isaac could have been anywhere from a teenager. He could have been even all the way up to 25, 30 years old. He was old enough to carry that wood. So let's take a walk, okay? They went up and down the mountains. And the whole time, you've got to imagine that Abraham's pounding his head, thinking, God, this cannot be the truth. There's no way, God, there is no way up and down the mountain. We're going to go down now. God, there, yeah, we're going up and down the mountain, Daniel. He says, there's no way. He's, his head is pounding. God, can this be true? His logic is screaming. Uh, this can't be right. Now, you got to imagine Sarah's back at home, and she knows that the custom of making a sacrifice is to take wood, to take the fire, and to take a lamb with you. So Sarah's starting to put two and two together. She's like, wait a minute. They left, but there's no lamb. Can you imagine the fear and the anxiety that begins to stir in her heart, in her life? My, my son? No. No, Abraham wouldn't do that. And Abraham is moving. He's stepping out in faith, pounding in his emotions. This is my son. God, no. God, no. This can't be right. So they're climbing. They're walking. They're going up and down the mountains for three days. I got a knife right here. Thank you. Go ahead and park yourself right here, Daniel, on this on the altar. Well, the bench. Go ahead and put the see if that bench will. All right. Now here's what's going on in this story here. If there was ever a time for Isaac to fight with his dad, it would be right now. As he begins to tie Isaac up. Now the Bible says that Isaac did not resist because he trusted his dad. That's pretty amazing. He trusted his father. And Abraham, trusting God, he was finally at level three, which we're going to talk about in a second. He began to tie him up, wrap him into a, a tight bundle, began to uh, get the fire ready. How many of you would do this to your kids? Anybody? How many of you guys ever feel like doing this to your kids? <laughs> Sacrificing them at the altar, this is for you, Jesus. Before they ruin their life, you know, you're thinking, realize that Isaac trusts in God willingly and laid down his life. This is a glimpse of Jesus, by the way. We're going to talk about that in a second. You know, I often think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, 37 that says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And I think Abraham got this because he was at level three. Take a look at this clip here.
We have the firewood, but where's the lamb? The Lord will provide a sacrifice, my son. Did Abraham take a lamb? No, mistress. So how was Abraham able to do this? Because he reached stage three, which is this. I trust you, God, no matter what. This is faith that pleases God. Abraham was listed in Hebrews 11 for this very reason, for that very reason right there. Because stage three says, I want what God wants, period. I want God wants period. Abe moved towards the unknown. He accepted the mystery of change. He didn't let his limitations hold him back. He embraced a future that would bring salvation to others, and he didn't allow his most treasured things in life to become an idol to him. See, this is the test. Abraham's test is our test. Can you trust God enough to let go of what you value the most? Look at your list for a second that you made earlier or reference in your mind the list that you made earlier of the things you value most. Abraham's test is our test. Many say God is important to me, but the truth is God doesn't want to be important. He wants to be the most important. More than a job, more than school, more than a boyfriend, more than a spouse, and even our children. It is the test of the first commandment, thou shalt not have no other gods before me, no other idols. There'll be nothing that will sit on the throne of your heart but me. This is the test of Abraham. How could he do it? Well, Abraham did it because Hebrews 11 tells us, we'll read in a second, because he believed that God, even if 
He took his son's life that God would raise him from the dead. Now, up to this point, there hadn't been a resurrection in the Bible. So Abraham was believing in something that was purely miraculous, which we'll touch on with Jesus later on. Here's the idea. He did it because he knew God was good. He knew it was going to be possibly painful, but he trusted God that no matter what happened, God was good. He built the altar, he tied up his son, and he laid him down. I'm going to walk back to the altar. I put it in the middle of the room. Tears rolling down his face. He ties up his son. He sticks him on the altar, as as in the clip that we saw earlier. And he begins to pray and ask God, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? Still silence. All he had was the voice of God that said to go. So in verse 10 of chapter 22, it says, Then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. And as he was about to take the life of his son, the angel of the Lord called out and said from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham replied, Here I am. He says, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Because you have not withheld him uh, anything. You have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. See, God is always right on time. God always provides where he guides. So the Bible says that Abraham went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. I love that. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. And to this day, it is said on that mountain, the Lord will provide. Guys, listen, that story was written before the life of Christ. But here's what's cool. That story is the story of Christ. You see, we have on that mountain the very place that God provided for us a lamb. You see, God did not want Isaac. God wanted Abraham. That was the test of Abraham. God wants you to trust him, to let go, to have faith. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of his sons, Judah, was the family that gave us the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the lion of Judah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world was a descendant of Abraham because at that altar, Abraham said, God, I lay down everything for your best. Hebrews 11 says this, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only promise, his son. Just as Abraham was tested, we will be tested. What we treasure the most will be tested. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, God will either bring back to life what you sacrifice, or he will bring you something better. See, God was giving us through Abraham a glimpse of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. God led Abraham to Mount Moriah, which is the exact place where Jesus was crucified on the cross for our sins, where Jesus would pour out his blood, his lifeblood for us. 2,000 years before he did that, Abraham was on that spot trusting God. And on that same mountain, God provided for us a substitute, the Lamb of God that was slain for our sins, Jesus Christ See, Jesus responding to his accusers in John 8, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He says, Abraham saw it and was glad. He says, you know what? At that moment when Isaac was about to be sacrificed, it's as if Abraham knew that God would provide a way. And Jesus says, I am that way. Abraham saw it and was glad. God wants to meet you on the mountain. God wants to meet you at the altar. Just as Abraham was called to follow, Jesus calling us to follow 
Mark 8.34, one of my favorite verses in my entire life. Jesus says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, take up his wood, take up his altar, and follow me to the mountain and lay it down. See, that mountain is the place where you lay down what you cherish the most. Take it to the mountain and lay it on the altar. See, God has given us a vision for a living way. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take some things to the mountain. And I want you to join me on this journey of faith, of believing the impossible and seeing God do the miraculous. This year is going to be a big change for us. Uh, as I said over the Christmas break, that this will probably, that was our last Christmas here, and I believe that. If we, if we trust God, there's going to be some changes, and, and uh, I believe that all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us, and I believe that God has called us and given us a, a unique and special vision, and I believe that the leadership team that we have in place right now and uh, our staff, we talk about this uh, deeply and affectionately, and you're, like I said, you're going to be hearing from them, and we believe that this is a mission for God. Uh, a mission by God, a mission from God. And we believe in trusting in a God of faith, and by faith, and walking and living it by faith. God is calling us like Abe to step out of our comfort zone, to not let our limitations define us, to embrace change, because there's a world out there, there's a generation out there, there's a community out there, there's a city out there that need to hear the name of Jesus. And it will take tremendous faith, and it would take a God who specializes in doing the impossible. Unfortunately, I believe we have a people of faith and we have a God who does, who guides and provides. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I want you to, this week, make a list of the things you cherish the most. And in your heart and in your life, I want you to lay them on the altar of Christ. And trust God to let go of the control. Let go of the steering wheel and be ready for something fresh and new in our life. Amen? Let's pray. God, I believe that you are calling us as a church uh, to a unique place this year, to a unique season, and uh, God, when we stepped out in faith and started Living Way Church years ago, that was a step of faith. And, and God, the lives have been changed. Salvations have been uh, made and baptisms declaring their faith. But God, I believe the, the greatest is yet to come. And God, I believe you're calling us out of, out of Ur calling us out of Haran into a place of promise. And God, we don't know what it is right now, honestly. But God, you've appointed us and you're pointing us and it's time for us to move. God, there are people here that are looking at their family, they're looking at the things in their life, their marriage, their kids. And God, you're calling them to trust you and to let go of those things to trust you. I believe there's some people here right now and it's time for you to let go of your life and to trust the one who created you and knows you best. There's some of you here that have never bowed the knee to Christ and you've never laid your life on the altar. You're, you're still at the reins of your own life. It's time to lay it at the altar. Say, Jesus, here's my life. Here I am. I trust you. Heads bowed. I want to pray with those of you who are ready to trust him with your life. Let's pray this uh, together. If that's you, I want you to pray this together. Uh, let's all pray it out loud together. Jesus, thank you for giving your life on the altar of the cross for me. Forgive me of my sin. 
wash me clean. I lay my life at your feet, at your altar. Here I am. Take my life. Live and move in me. Help me, Father, to trust you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.